Bill Mosley, Daniel Harris, Dick Warlock, George Romero, Kane Hodder, Robert England, Ronnie Blakely, CJ Graham, and you're listening to Deep in Horror, Texas. You gotta be fucking kidding. Hey guys, your buddy Ralph here. Just wanted to let you know the episode that you're about to listen to is essentially just a audio version of the video that we recorded at the Bloomhouse panel during Texas Frightmare this past year. So if you got around to actually watching the video, this is literally the same thing with the exception of us just adding our outro and intro to it. So if you want to sit down and listen to it, that way you don't have to use up your data to watch the YouTube video, by all means. If not, We'll have another episode here pretty soon. In the meantime, you guys have a great day. Enjoy, and remember, keep it scary. With me, but you have me. Uh, my name is Ryan Turek. Uh, I'm the VP of Development over at Blumhouse Productions. I also co-host uh, Shockwaves. Uh, awesome. I hope you're there tomorrow at 1 p.m. What's that? Oh, no, we're uh, <laughs> um, I don't know what kind of format to approach this with, to be honest. Uh, this is kind of like my first time doing something like this. Last year, Becca McKendry and I, we kind of talked about Blumhouse and what we were up to. And uh, Blumhouse.com existed at the time, and she was working for that. Um, but uh, I know you guys are here for one thing. <laughs> Probably right. And, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, it's the number one thing I've been tweeting about and social media about and I wish I had surprises um, but uh, listen I'll tell you this I know you're here for that I know you guys want to see the Halloween trailer and I wish I could show you oh. I know listen I, did, I do not have that power I do not have that power listen there here's the here's the here's the thing so the, the trailer played at CinemaCon. CinemaCon is a private event for basically theater, like distributors and the, theatrical owners, like the, the heads of AMC are there, Regal Cinemas. So it's like a place for them to see all the stuff that's coming out over the next several months, you know? Um, so that's why the Venom trailer finally, finally showed fucking Venom. Uh, it's, it's where they showed the new Jurassic World trailer. There was so much noise surrounding, yes, I hear, I hear you. Uh, there was so much noise surrounding uh, all these other films. When we drop the Halloween trailer, can we own that fucking day? So we're trying to find that day to own it and we're gonna, we'll give it to you. It's gonna, trust me, I have, Everybody's ears are universal. I have Blum's ear. And uh, I'm like, we need to show it sooner than later. So I am working on it. You'll see it sooner than later. I can tell you it's really cool. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, like, listen, it's because of you guys that we, that I rallied behind everybody to, to, to get Halloween made, you know, when we found out that the Halloween rights were up because <clears throat> Bob Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein, lost the rights. You know, Blum and I, you know, did a concentrated effort to to chase those rights. Uh, 
I had found out um, because the director of the film, you know, they were going to do a Halloween three. And uh, when I found out that they hadn't started production, um, when they were supposed to start production, uh, we found out that the rights were up. And, um, you know, Malik Akkad from Trangus International was an integral part of that. Um, he's fantastic. And, and you know, it's, uh, but, you know, at Blumhouse, we're very director driven as opposed to IP driven. Insidious, that's a James Wan, like that came, that sprung from the mind of James Wan and Lee Wan L. Uh, Sinister, that sprung from the mind of uh, Robert Cargill and Scott Derrickson. You know, we kind of create the IPs as opposed to chasing and making movies based on them. Um, so, you know, Halloween, uh, it, it just it just made sense, you know? I was like, dude, look at the fan base. Um, and, and the big challenge was, is where do we go? As you guys all know, we ignore everything after film number one. Um, because honestly, where do you go? You can't do a, a film post-resurrection. You can't do a post-Rob Zombie without Rob Zombie. I think Rob Zombie had his own authorship and his own uh, uh, signature on those films. Um, and so when we, you know, when we talked to David Gordon Green, he was like, I don't want to do anything except, I, I just want to acknowledge the first film and that's it. And, uh, and that's where we decided to go. But uh, I'm very excited for you guys to see it. It's gonna, we have a lot of stuff coming out this summer that'll get you pumped up. Comic-Con will obviously be a very big signature convention for you to keep an eye on. Um, but, uh, but yeah. But beyond that, I, like, I feel like we should just have like a cool questions and answers, get into the know you session. So if you, any of you guys have any questions, hit me up right here. How much truth's behind that uh, Jason's Blum is uh, chasing down Friday the 13th? Uh, <laughs> uh, that is something, I, yes. Um, well, here's the thing with Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, the rights are, as you guys know. Victor Miller. Yeah, well, there's the Victor Miller, Sean Cunningham element of it. Um, but uh, there's also the New Line Paramount element of it. Um, after Platinum Dunes did Friday the 13th, 2009, um, they had done some sort of like studio swap. I don't know how many of you guys kept an eye on this, but the studios basically traded like IP. They traded properties. So, um, so it was New Line gave up Friday the 13th and something else uh, so they could get um, Christopher yeah. Nolan Interstellar Interstellar yes yeah, thank they you. gave up South Park and Friday exactly exactly so they had a time limit and that time limit was 2018 and so now it's 2018 Friday the 13th is technically supposed to go back to New Line but the Victor Miller Sean Cunningham uh, debate wages on so until that simmers down uh, we have to see where the rights lie but I would love Love to do Friday the Thirteenth. I know Blum would love to do Friday the Thirteenth. Um, you know, anything that we do would just be like, you know, let's let's look at the property and then find someone, a director, to lead the charge and put their stamp on it and do something really cool and amazing. Yeah. Where are you with the Five Nights at Freddy? Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, we've kind of quietly, like, kind of put that into the world. How many of you guys know that we were supposed to do Five Nights at Freddy's? Okay. So you're following social media. Scott Cawthon, who's incredible, um, he had tweeted out, uh, and apparently he's got, like, over 100,000 fans on Twitter, and, he, and then he tweeted out one image 
And that was his first tweet ever. And it was just uh, the chair in front of our logo. Um, and from that point on, we've we've kept quiet. But um, uh, yeah, Chris Columbus is now involved in it, and uh, he's working. He's he's writing. So we're just waiting on that. Yeah. yeah. Me? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Can, can you explain the difference between the VH Tilt and the regular film house? Sure, yeah. Um, so, in June 1st, we have a film called Upgrade. Uh, Lee Wan L wrote and directed it. How many, have you guys seen any early versions of it? Have you seen early screenings of it yet? Oh, no. it, this movie is bananas. Um, I, it, I'm going to stand up because this is stupid cynic. Um, so, so, Upgrade uh, is basically Logan Marshall Green, uh, who one night, uh, he and his wife get, um, uh, they meet some bad guys, they kill his wife, they leave him without any function below his neck, and his best friend comes up to him and he's like, I'm gonna implant this thing called STEM into your system, and it's gonna, it's gonna get you walking again, you're gonna be able to have a full life, and, um, and Logan Marshall Green gets back, he's like, I'm amazed, this is great, I'm walking around, I could be a mechanic again, oh man, my wife is dead, that really sucks, and I wanna get revenge. <laughs> <laughs> and then STEM, this thing, starts talking to him. And he's like, I can completely help you with that. And he's like, I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, in this video, you missed an address to one of the bad guys. And he's like, well, let's go get him. And STEM is a fully functioning thing. So what happens to this guy is in the middle of a fight, because he can't fight, he can shut down and let STEM take over. And STEM is a badass. And he just starts kicking some serious butt. Um, and so that that film was uh, that film was produced under Blumhouse, um, and you know, the, and it's going to be released under Neon and Tilt. And uh, BH Tilt is just a kind of an avenue for those films that um, that don't warrant. You know, when you put out a film in like three thousand screens, um, those fetch twenty to thirty-five million dollar ad campaigns. Like you got to think about that on top of the budget that you're spending for the film. Universal, who's our distributor, puts a lot of money into selling the crap out of the movie. And so when you talk when you talk about budgets and you talk about recouping budgets, you always have to think about that thirty million dollars that you spend to advertise and tell tell you about it. So the BH Tilt titles are films that don't necessarily warrant that, but they also don't deserve to go straight to VOD. Like we want you to see them. So they're kind of just smaller releases. Um, and then if they if they do really well, like I suppose like It Follows and The Witch, not our films, but those are films that started out very small in uh, like thousand screens and then they just got bigger and bigger and so they started releasing. So if Upgrade does really well, it'll definitely reach a wider audience, but like, you know, it'll be like 1,500 screens and people will still be able to see it. Um, but that's kind of the difference between BHTL. They're kind of like films that are a little left to center, a little, little uh, more oddball. And we have a couple of other titles in our, uh, in our pipeline that'll probably go under that. So, yeah. Um, I was had the pleasure of walking through your Bloomhouse Universal walk through the Halloween Horror Nights this year. Oh, cool. Triple uh, per Danner, Election Day, yeah. Happy Death Day, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah. Sinister. Obviously, you have a close relationship with Universal. Can you talk a little bit about that collaboration? I love walking. Yeah, the, the Halloween Horror Nights stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they, um, because uh, our first look deal is with Universal Studios. Uh, Universal
wonderful pictures. We have a good relationship with John Murray and Mike uh, Aiello over at uh, Halloween Horror Nights Hollywood and Hollywood Horror Nights Orlando, respectively. Um, so, yeah, each year we just, uh, you know, John and Mike, those guys who build those amazing immersive experiences, they... Um, they, you know, like once they're done November 1st or November 2nd, they're working on the next year. Like those guys, job security is set because they, you know, they're, they, it takes all year and all this planning. Um, and there's a couple of titles that I'm involved with uh, uh, that we're going to be doing for Halloween Horror Nights. And John and Mike just pour everything into it. But they just come, they just come to us and they're like, hey, do you have something that you want to you wanna do this year? And I think we have a couple. Uh, well, there will be more official announcements on it, but um, you can take guesses. Um, but, uh, you know, when we did the Purge, uh, that was a lot of fun, the Purge walkthrough. I mean, that world is just ripe for a, an experience like that. Um, I remember, oh, God, was it last year? And this is a testament to these guys working creatively on a fly. Um, last year at the Purge thing, uh, the purge walkthrough. They had this guy on the back of um, on the back of a, a semi with a big Gatling gun on a tripod. And as you're exiting the maze, he's like, "Die, die!" And he's blowing you away. And then a, a, a massive shooting happened. And 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 it just didn't feel right. Uh, everybody was kind of like, uh, "Maybe we shouldn't leave that experience with the sense that you're all gonna, you know, get blown away." So the guys just quickly snipped out the, the sound and snipped out the gun and put the guy there with an axe and, and just made, you know, this is still very effective. This guy was still coming at you as the last big scare. But uh, I noticed that was something that uh, that they had altered. So those guys are really quick, really creative, really cool. Um, last year we did uh, The Horrors of Blumhouse, which was kind of a um, culmination of a bunch of films. So we had Happy Death Day in there. We had The Purge in there. We, uh, we did a Sinister walkthrough for the first time. So it was kind of a best of Sinister and Sinister 2, uh, which was a lot of fun. So, yeah, we, we, we got more to, more to come for sure. It's cool. I love it. Yeah. Uh, since it was announced, uh, is there anything you can actually say about Happy Death Day 2? Um, yeah. Yeah, we start shooting Happy Death Day 2 in a couple weeks. How many of you guys seen Happy Death Day? Did you guys like it? Yeah. All right. Good. 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 Um, well, it's 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 uh, it's the same team, guys. I mean, like it's Chris Landon writing and directing. Uh, Jessica Roth is back playing Tree. Um, it, it's <laughs> I don't want to give too much away, but there is, you know. Uh, Jessica Roth, I think on Twitter said that there's like a Back to the Future 2 element to it. Um, that is true. Uh, but I also think tonally, uh, it falls in line with a trio of films that I especially love from the 80s. Uh, Weird Science and yeah. My Science Project yeah. and uh, Real Genius. Okay. Uh, Hollywood had this fascination with weird, spooky science, and uh, and then just threw you know threw comedy actors in there, and that 
when I read the script for this one, I was like, oh, this is definitely in line with those movies. This is cool. So, um, but he'll bring his same signature kind of thing. It's not, uh, I think it kind of eases up on, uh, it's still, there's still slasher elements to it, but um, without getting too far into it, there's a, there's a new mystery that's involved. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, can I ask two questions? Sure. Um, okay, my, my best friend who actually got me into the horror scene, she couldn't be here, but she wants to know if, um, if she has an idea for a Blumhouse movie, will anybody look at it? Yeah. If, would there be anybody who would? She's, she's an amazing writer. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yes, if she's represented. Does she have any kind of representation, like a manager or agent or anything like that? Yeah, it's tough. I mean... I, I, just to give you guys a little bit of background, I used to work for Fangoria Magazine, and I was, I, was, uh, I, I co-founded Dread Central uh, way back in the day, uh, and then jumped over to Fangoria for a while, and then jumped into Shock Till You Drop. I ran this website called Shock Till You Drop. Um, it got, I don't know if you guys can still find it, I don't know what the fuck those guys did with the site, but um, it's too bad, really. Uh, the internet game is not a good one. Um, but, you know, I was doing that for a while, and I was just like her. You know, I mean, like I had no agent, no representation, no manager, no nothing. You know, I wanted, I had a few scripts, but uh, what I click quickly learned during that time is that you just need good representation before you can, anybody can take a look at it. And I, now that I'm on the other side, I've learned that I legally can't look at it um, because it needs to come through an official channel that can, uh, you know, if she's got um, perhaps like a legal representation that could, like a good lawyer that could back her up. Just because these days it's so hard with copyright. You know, I mean, like, yeah. Jesus, I could point to, there's all sorts of, you know, lawsuits come down all the time going, you ripped me off. This is why we can't just look at something, you know, because we need a, someone who's got the skill um, and the legal representation to back it up and officially document it as being a submission. I would love to read it. I'm sure she's talented as fuck. Um, but uh, what I would advise her to do is just either find a lawyer or just get a good manager, you know, and, and uh, have them do the due diligence and submit. Yeah. Also, um, is there anything about a new Insidious movie? I know that the fourth one just came out this year. It did, yeah. But, you know, it's yeah. my favorite horror movie. Yeah. Did you like the last one? Did you like four? Yeah, did you guys see Insidious? Yeah. Uh, last key? Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah? All right, cool, cool. Um, I mean, you guys can be honest with me. It's fine. I mean, we, this, this is why, why it's important to get feedback. You know, we're not living in a bubble. We love to hear well, from the fans. I so. stayed silent. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, you said well. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yes, Lynn Shay. Guys, Lynn Shay is a national treasure. I mean, she... You know, to go from, you know, Bob Shea's sister, Bob Shea being the head of New Line, that was head of, you know, that that was the house of Freddy. Um, and she was in Nightmare on Elm Street. She was in Critters. You know, and now she's just got, you know, now she's got a franchise all her own at her age, which is amazing. It's just, it, 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 I call it, I keep saying it's the second coming of Lynn Shea. Um, and she's like, oh, you know. Um, but she's a sweetheart. But yeah, I mean, like, when it comes to sequels for us, um, it's never say never. You know, I mean, we wait. To, we don't think about doing sequels until after the films are out. You know, we want to see. I mean, like. 
we'll leave it to the writer director to maybe like stew in their their ideas but we won't have an official discussion about it until really like the movie comes out you know same with truth or dare we didn't really you know we want to see how we wanted to see how truth or dare did did you like it yeah oh right on okay um yeah we just want to see how these things do first it just you know because the whole creatively we want the director to really put everything in the movie they're making. It doesn't make any sense to, to come into a room and go, all right, so I got this amazing movie. It's a horror film. This is what's going to happen. And then for the sequel, and it's like, well, no, put it in the first movie, man. Like, that's just, let's see, the, tell the best story you can in the shot that you have to make it, you know? So, um, you know, I'm sure there will probably be more. I mean, we love that franchise, so, yeah. Hey, to p kind of piggyback off her question, does Bloomhouse hire on-staff writers like think tank writers to um, polish scripts. The question scripts. is, do we hire uh, staff of writers? You know, back in the uh, ye olden times of Hollywood, that was the way they did things. You know, the this Hollywood uh, the studios would hire directors and put them on contract for multiple pictures and put them on co uh, writers on contract and just have them sit in a closet and go come up with some ideas. You know, um, we did it once. Uh, we had two writers that were incredibly talented, but they were mostly used for television. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I. I would go in the room and go, guys, I had a dream. This is the movie idea. Ready? And they go, oh, God, Ryan, stop. Um, but there was one time I actually walked into the room and they had on their on their board, their whiteboard, it was Ryan's idea. And I was like, oh, thanks, guys. Um, thanks for exploring that. Um, we're going to put it on the fridge, right? Yeah, yeah, right, right here. And then we're going to erase it when you leave the room. Uh, but, uh, no, I mean, like, for us, the, the path to success and, and making films in our system is really being the director um, you know we work in such low budgets uh, you know having a script that comes into us and doing like pouring you guys gotta understand so much so many movies don't get made just because of bad development um, you know the, the studios gobble up this idea they'll sit there they'll beat the script to death and then the movie comes out and you could just tell that it was just it's a passionless effort um, and for us it's really about the director coming Coming in going, I know what your system's like, I know where you make films on a low budget, I've got a scary story I really want to tell, and it's amazing, you know? I mean, when we did um, Get Out, jo that was Jordan's thing, you know? Jordan had this script all over town, and Blum, we all read it, and... And we were like, this thing is crazy, but we got to make it. Let's just let, 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 and and because um, because Jordan was already a director, we were and we were gonna take a shot. We were just like, all right, let's do it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's really about being a filmmaker coming in with a with a passion project. That's cool. Anything. You guys are more like the new version of United Artists, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. We have like a, like the United Artists. Uh, kind of vibe with a little bit of Corman uh, and then like the showmanship of William Castle you know I, I just sit there and I just throw all these things out there and, and uh, I do have one know. one other part right? yeah, yeah. keep my hands yeah. down uh, Spawn Spawn uh, coming out 2021 I think Is, you know, yeah. Spawn's coming out <laughs> like we're at, we're actively working on it because um, I know you guys one. are smaller budget but uh, yeah. yeah 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 but again that's a J Jason is 
is adamant about making sure creators are involved. You know, when we did Halloween and we brought Halloween in, even though that um, we were already speaking with David Gordon Green and Danny McBride about it, Jason was like, I, "We guys, we need John. Like, I don't want to make a decision without John. I want I want John involved because, you know, John was there from the beginning, obviously, but it's just, it means a lot to me to have him there. So Jason, Jason hopped in his, uh, his wonder van. Jason drives around in a van. Uh, he's got a driver, but this van is like, it is a, it's an office. It's an office in a van, and I love sitting in it if I can, because that's when you can get all the work, but there's a laptop and a TV, and, and it's like, when you learn very quickly how, why he's processing so many things so quickly, because he's just constantly driving around town, but he's working, like, nonstop. Um, but he drove over to John's house in the van, and, and, you know, he called me 15 minutes later, and he was like, he's in. And I was like, oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, and John is, uh, John is going to be seeing the film very soon, uh, and he's going to be scoring, so it's going to be awesome. Yeah, very excited. Um, now, I, I don't, I can't remember seeing the Blue Mouth logo in front of it, but uh, how, like, is there anything else you can say about Glass? Glass. Um, <laughs> glass. Glass is so top secret, I haven't even read the script. Really? <laughs> no. Oh, wow. I, no, I'm serious, man. Like, that is one of those, like, upper echelon <laughs> things. Like, man. it came, I remember um, Split, I did have a, like, I just, the, my kind of, my job, just so you guys know, is to be there to bring in projects, you know, uh, bring in filmmakers to do projects with, um, and and then be there for the development process, and be there for notes, and be there for, you know, every kind of step of the way, and uh, occasionally go on set, and, and, and just kind of oversee, be kind of like the lead um, executive on the set. And uh, and when, I was, when Split came through, we got the script for Split, and I remember reading it, and I was getting to those final pages, and I'm not going to ruin it for those who haven't seen Split, but I was just like, no way. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Are we really doing that? Are we going to do that? And we were like, well, that's, yes. I mean, we're like, it's night. Of course we're going to do that. And um, and then and then, and then it disappeared. And Knight went off and shot his movie. And the next thing I know, a couple months later, we were seeing a first cut. And I was sitting there watching it. And it was like two... It's like two hours and 15 minutes, I think, or two hours and 25 minutes. That was the original, like, the director's cut. Yeah. Um, and there was some cool stuff. I don't know what the Blu-ray has, because I haven't, I haven't watched it. But I remember there was just more, um, more elements of Glass's, Mr. Glass's presence being felt in the world of Split. Uh, there was just more... There was a there's a uh, there was a scene where Betty Buckley was talking to one of her colleagues by um, by a lake or you know and she's walking through a park and you just saw smoke coming out from the on the horizon and and they mentioned another Mr. Glass terrorist attack and I was like oh cool but it was just hard it was hard to what we didn't want, and I think this is why Knight removed it, Knight wanted you in the story. He wanted you in the moment, as opposed to wondering, Where's, what's that smoke, and why is there, who's who's, the, who's this person? And so it's just really about these two characters, about you know, Anna Taylor-Joy and, uh, 
and so it's just a, it was about that and then let that little button at the end be the surprise so for glass I just remembered Blum came in and uh, and he's like, I read the script. It's a physical copy. It's amazing. And I was like, cool. When are we going to see it? And he's like, oh, you'll, you'll see it soon enough. And um, I saw a sizzle reel for it recently. And oh, my God. I mean, just like the cast alone. When you see the cast, it, I don't know... It, it looks incredible. So you like, saw the one that played at cinema? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's well, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun just to see these, you know, see Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson and James McAvoy and Anya Taylor Joy, and it's just he created a world, a new world that uh, I think people will get excited about. So, yeah. Sorry to ask again. <laughs> My favorite world you guys have invented has been the Purge universe. Yeah. Clearly, obviously, I asked the question, but you're now expanding. There's a new movie coming out this yep. summer and a TV series. Yeah. Can you talk about either one of those? Um, yeah, so Blumhouse is divided in uh, with the features department um, and the television department. And the television department is rapidly expanding. They're getting, they're really sinking their teeth into that world. Um, they did Tremors. They did a pilot for Tremors with Kevin Bacon, which I wish took off. I mean, like we had just gotten the news last week that it didn't go. Um, it was wonderful. Uh, Vincenzo Natali, who directed Splice, did the did the pilot for it. Incredible. I mean, like and Vincenzo was doing incredible work on Hannibal as well. Westworld. And Westworld, yeah. Oh my God. I mean, that guy. I would love to. I'm I'm actively trying to find something an, another movie for him. Um, so he did incredible work. That said, uh, Purge just made sense to do a television show, and um, James DeMonaco, who is the creator of that world is heavily involved um, and and so with uh, I haven't seen too too much of it because it's a TV thing right now we've just been actively involved in making sure the first purge gets finished um, but wait till you see the first purge it, it's crazy did you geek crazy. out when Jordan Peele won the Oscar? what's that? did you geek out? When did we geek out when Jordan? Play, oh yeah it's yeah of course screenplay is probably the best 70s throwback screenplay I have ever I know read. I know oh my god I know, Get Out is incredible. I, after our first meeting with, uh, after our first meeting, well, it's really hard to be in my position. I'm like, I'm one of you guys. Like, I came up going to Fango shows at like seven years old and nerding out with Lance Henriksen and nerding out with all these guys who were doing the convention circuit back then. And so it's really hard to contain myself when I'm doing, a like when I'm on set on Halloween and Jamie Lee comes on and I'm like, oh, oh my God. What are we going to do? And then Danny McBride is like, that's Jamie Lee Curtis and I'm like you're Danny McBride and, and Jamie Lee Curtis is here uh, I was like, and then I'm texting my girlfriend going Jamie Lee is here and she touched my arm uh, it's, just, it's very weird so when Jordan came in I was sitting there going oh my god I can't peel like this guy he's so funny and oh my god and uh, and he came into my office. My office is very, just very distinctly me. Um, and I've got the the Waxwork Records, Rosemary's Baby uh, record up on my wall. And Jordan came in. He goes, "Oh man, who did that art?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, Jay Shaw." And he was like, "Oh, can I have? You know, I gotta find one." I was like, "I got you. I'll, I'll I'll do everything I can to get you a copy." And then I, and then after reading Get Out, I said, "You know." just like nerd to nerd I, I think get out is amazing i like just reading it and i love what you're saying about this you know this the kind of societal stuff have you ever seen society oh, no. and he goes no man what's society and i said it's a brian usner movie full of 80s goopiness and it's got a thing to say about the rich and all this stuff and he goes 
I'd like to see that. And I was like, all right. And so I slipped him a copy of Society. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of like my place. I like, I get in there and I'm going to just whisper in your ear and go, hey, have you ever seen, uh, uh, you know, House on the Edge of the Park? And, you know, and then somebody's like, no. I'm like, well, it's not for the faint of heart, but you should check it out. And, um, and when, Lee, when Lee Wanell comes in, uh, he just camps out and we just nerd out for forever and not get any work done. <laughs> but uh, no, we were very, I mean, it would have been cool to get the best picture, you know. But uh, but you know what? That was well deserved on Guillermo's part. I mean, Guillermo earned it, man. Guillermo did an incredible job. I still think. I mean, you guys can fight me on this, but I think Hellboy Two is like his ode to Harryhausen. Like he did such a magnificent job with Hellboy Two. Um, I mean, like the world he created and just the beauty, the tapestry of characters and all that stuff. I just I love it. Um, but what he was what he's been doing is is really strong work, and I think he earned that. So I'm just very curious to see what he does next. Yeah. <laughs> what did you mean by um, Back to the Future 2 in... In, in Happy Death Day? Yeah. I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could you talk more about the uh, Blumhouse production model and formula? I sure. saw Jason Blum on a, on a panel years ago. Yeah. Originally, it was kind of Corman-inspired, mm -hmm. but with low budgets, aiming for like a single location. Yeah. I think that's changed a little bit. I think that's changed a little bit. I mean, like, when I came in, when I was a journalist, what I was seeing from Blumhouse was what you're talking about, which is super low budge. I mean, don't forget, Insidious was made for like a million bucks, Whoa. you know, and I remember going on set and because, you know, our kind of thing is to find filmmakers who have that passion that, that did really great films and this kind of, you know, maybe had a few few whiffs, you know, maybe films that didn't quite take off. Um, and, and James, you know, kind of went back to scratch. He was like, you know what, fine, I'm going to go make a movie on my terms and my way and, and, and do it for nothing. And Jason was there to support that vision. And so after that, you know, kind of Blumhouse 1.0 was, you know, kind of single location horror movies, you know, uh, low budgets. Um, I think that at the time it was more like three million um, and single location, you know, really high concept, uh, small cast. And, um, and I think that's grown just because Blumhouse has grown. You know, the budgets went up to five million bucks. We don't do anything beyond five, um, except if they're kind of IP. Spawn will probably be a little bit more. Halloween was. Um, just because they warrant that, you know. But any of the, you know, Get Out was under five. Um, Happy Death Day was like around five. So it's, it's that model remains the same. It's, it's, you know, five or less, really great concept, something that we could, uh, that we try to attain a theatrical release with, you know, we really want everybody to see it on a wide level, um, and creative control. You know, we give our filmmakers creative control. You know, we, you know, I'm there to kind of, me, it's literally uh, in the features department, there's four of us. So it's me, uh, Bea Sakara, who is uh, one of the co-producers on Get Out, uh, Cooper Samuelson, and then uh, and then uh, Ray, who's one of our creative execs. And um, and there's only four of us, and we're just kind of plowing through projects and trying to find them and, and, and think about, you know, what, uh, for me, it's always about pushing the genre forward. You know, I, I love... I love um, I love throwback films, and I but I feel like nostalgia gets in the way a lot, you know, for a lot of films. Um, so it's really about 
you know, trying to find out, you know, one, is it scary? Two, is it dramatic? Uh, three, how is it pushing the genre forward? You know, how are we doing some new stuff with it? Um, and I think there's a lot of great films right now that are doing that um, beyond us. I mean, like Hereditary from May 24 is insane. Uh, Quiet Place is very well done. That's a very well done movie. Um, so we're living in a good time. I just read some article, some bullshit article this morning. It was like, horror is dead. I'm like, really? <laughs> We just want to. I was like, a, it was, it was about, it was like, Quiet Place did really well. Horror is dead, and I'm like, who are you? And and, and, and what, can we have a conversation about this, please? Um, and I think it was just something about, I don't know, uh, I don't even, I can't even begin to understand it. But anytime anybody says horror is dead, it just drives me nuts because what they, it's a, um, they don't understand the cycles that genre goes through. The horror goes through cycles. It goes through these really big you know, big booms where we're getting the J-horror remake craze, or we're getting the torture porn craze, or we're getting, you know, the remake craze that we saw, out, you know, from 2005 to 2010. Um, and then it gets quiet, and it's during those quiet times that's when we see really exciting movies creep out. Um, I think that's when, like, Insidious was discovered. Um, you know, I think that... Uh, you know, even it follows, you know, that's a nice little movie that crept up on us too. Um, so yeah, it just goes through cycles horror, it never dies. That's just stupid. I don't understand. Stupid. How, I don't understand how you can see that. Yeah, 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 won Oscars. I know, I know. I don't get it. You and the Halloween t shirt that I have. Horror <laughs> <laughs> <Four> people. <laughs> so is there like a specific when you're like looking to work with the director? Yeah. First off, is there people right now like can you say like who you like want to work with and there's filmmakers out there that you really like and also do you look at like their anything they've done previously stylistically is that a determining factor or does it have to fit like the wheelhouse like I don't know you know someone like Bruce Cervantes something like that like, you, I mean I know um, yeah I mean like when it comes to the filmmaker you know there's a thing I mean like yes um, are they accomplished? Have they done at least one really exciting film? Yes. You know, uh, I, I mentioned Vincenzo Natale. I think Vincenzo would be fantastic in our system. Um, Brian Fuller. I want Brian Fuller to do a horror movie with us. Yeah. Um, you know, he's kind of in TV land, but every time I see him, I go, you know, you, you should do a movie for us, Brian. And, you know, maybe if we get Friday the 13th. Um, uh, who else? Uh, you know, I, I was talking to Don Mancini. I was like, Don, we're ready. Let's do this. You know, come up with, come up with something that's not Chucky. <laughs> Uh, and let's find a movie to do. Keep doing Chucky, obviously, because I love it. Um, but, you know, the criteria uh, really leans on the script and the idea. It really, you know, script, uh, especially for you aspiring filmmakers out there, script is everything. Um, you know, uh, real characters, you know, real decisions being made in those films. You know, the audience, you guys have gotten so much smarter, you know. Um, the horror audience has, has evolved, you know. And it's, I, think it's, I think it's very challenging to tell a horror movie today um, especially when there's like just so much real world shit going on and, and YouTube and live leak and all these things that we poke around on the web and see real stuff happening um, you know can we be shocked anymore can we be shocked anymore can you guys be horrified I mean are you guys or is it just kind of it's entertainment 
Entertainment. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
all of their heart and soul into it. And um, and if it doesn't take off, it doesn't take off, and then you guys never get to see it, which is a bummer. But who knows? Maybe in 20 years' time, someone will just leak tremors or something like that. <laughs> yeah, way in the back. Yeah, is it true that Blumhouse uh, and Hulu working together? Yeah, we're doing a really cool thing with Hulu right now. Jason, uh, Jason just did an announcement with Hulu. Um, we are doing 12 movies. They're telefilms, or like, or we're calling it episodes. Uh, it's an anthology series, and they're all based on uh, holidays. So we're, we're doing, obviously, we're doing one a month, which you can imagine what the production line is going to be like for that. So we're doing, uh, there's a great film. Um, uh, I think it's, uh, fuck it, Paul's been tweeting about it nonstop. Paul Davis, um, who did the American Werewolf in London uh, documentary and also wrote, uh, I think it's called Beware of the Moon. He also wrote a book. He's going to direct it. It's called The Body, I believe. Um, but that's going to be the Halloween episode. And then we're going to do like a Thanksgiving one. We're going to do Christmas and Father's Day and Mother's Day and, 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 and Valentine's Day. And, and it's just going to be really cool films with really exciting filmmakers. Um, and I know our TV team is working feverishly to figure out the production timeline. <laughs> but we're like, it's going to be, you know, like the old days, just doing a film back to back to back to back to back and hopefully roll the same crew into each film and just keep moving on. You know, it's going to be really exciting. I'm really excited to see where it goes. It's going to be fun. But I'm going to go away in the back there. <laughs> So my favorite universe is the Sinister universe. Um, can you talk any more about how you guys plan on expanding that? Uh, I wish I could. Um, there's no, there's no plans just yet. No, no. Um, I think uh, I, I really love Sinister. I think Sinister is definitely one of the scariest recent films that come out recently. Um, and I think Sinister Two, uh, they did a really great job. But I don't, I don't think our partners in that. I don't think they, they were exactly thrilled with the performance. I mean, like in how it did. So I don't know. I mean, like it's like that's like one of those things that's on the back burner. And we're never going to say no. You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, you said earlier that you were looking for a movie that turns a TV show like the TV show. Uh, why not Sinister? <laughs> I will run that by TV. I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I would love to. I would love to see more Sinister. Um, and you know, it's it's about uh, Scott Derrickson too. Scott Derrickson. We we love to maintain our relationships with our filmmakers. That's really important to us. So James DeMonaco on The Purge, James Wan and Lee Wan Ellen Insidious, and Scott Derrickson on The Sinister Universe. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, we end up back there. Um. What VHS tape did you run out? What's that? What VHS tape did you ruin watching so many times? What was your inspiration back in Friday? Friday was my uh, Friday was my number one. Um, it was my uh, it was kind of I I grew up in Connecticut. Um, my parents were incredibly uh, supportive in my artistic endeavors. I was a big comic book kid. Um, I was always drawing, and uh, my dad introduced me to <laughs> he didn't mean to. Uh, he introduced me to Cycle of the Werewolf, and I was six. The book had just come out. He's a big book collector. He collected Stephen King, um, and you know back in uh, back in the early eighties. You know, we had these giant speakers in our turntable, and the speakers came up to about here. And I remember walking up to it and seeing Cycle of the Werewolf. And I picked it up, and I was like, "Oh my God, this woman's getting her face ripped off by a werewolf! This is incredible!" <laughs> and my mom was like, "Don't look at that." Um, to which I found it later on and continued looking 
got it. And uh, the Bernie Wrightson stuff just like took over. I was I was amazed by it. So Bernie Wrightson's line work, the way he drew was just so beautiful. Um, so I followed through with that. And then uh, my parents started recognizing that I was I had a, a penchant for the macabre. Um, and so I was reading horror comics. Um, and then my dad would sneak me out uh, on school nights to go see movies. And uh, Fright Night was one of those films where I would actually, they would, I don't know why my parents said this, they made me go to bed and then my dad would come over and go, let's go to the movies. And I'd be like, what? What's going on? I'm in my pajamas, my Star Wars pajamas. Um, and uh, Friday Night was one, but he was, <laughs> I remember my grandmother came along with me on that one. And I was in the back seat and I li I, we lived in a very small town in New England, and uh, so the movie theater wasn't too far away. And we got about a half out, a half mile away from home, and he pulled over and he goes, this is a scary movie, and if you can't handle it, you can get out. And I was like, what? He's like, you recognize the post office so you can find your way home. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, you can just go, because honestly, I'm, I'm not gonna turn around. And I was like, oh, I'm in it, let's do this. And, I, and Friday night was just one of those movies that was a perfect culmination of uh, horror and sex. And I mean, like, I saw my first nude woman in that movie. I was just like, oh my God. Um, and, uh, and, um, and comedy. Like, that, that, that showed me that horror could also be funny. Great makeup. And, oh, incredible makeup effects. Yeah, I was a big model kit uh, builder when I was a kid. So I know that uh, someone did, like, the vampire bat, the, the Friday Night bat. They did a model kit of that. Um, but no, guys, I, I, like, I, yeah, Friday Night was a big one. And then from that, from that point on, the floodgates opened. Like, I saw the fly opening night. I saw aliens. And I remember seeing aliens, and my local news did a sneak preview of aliens. And they were like, this big movie, that's a huge hit, that's a, that's a sequel to a huge hits coming out. Now, um, avert your eyes if you are very sensitive because we're gonna show you a clip from Alien. And I was like, oh, what is this movie? I had not seen Alien before, Aliens. And they showed the chestburster sequence. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Uh, and I think my mom was sitting there going, I can't believe they just showed that on our local news. And my dad was going, you're going to see a whole lot of that tonight. And I was like, yes. Um, so that's the kind of household I grew up in. But Friday night was that one that I just wore out. I loved it so much. That and uh, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I have a, my thing is, my thing is horror comedy. I really love horror comedy quite a bit. Evil Dead 2, you know, those kinds of movies. I, I it, It's my personal taste. I just love it. And um, when Chris Landon came through to do Happy Death Day, I was like, oh, cool, we're going to do a, a horror comedy for once. Um, because, you know, when you do uh, the, the films that are tough in the Blumhouse system are, you know, films with a lot of action. And, and, and when you do comedy, it just requires a lot of time. Comedy requires time, and time equals money. So, you know, when, uh, when, we, when it came around to do Happy Death Day, we just knew, based on Chris's previous work, that he could handle the, the comedy and he, he can get the coverage he needed uh, under the time that we had for him. So, yeah, that's fun. Yeah. I have a quick question in regards to Spawn. I know it's very early on and it's a little bit way off. Is there a possibility to somehow involve Pete David with the fact that he's very close with it with the HBO animated series? Yeah, yeah I think that really is, um, I think it's really based on Todd. You know, that's really Todd's decision. Um, you know, with, with our filmmakers, we don't put a lot of uh, 
parameters on them when they cast. Uh, you know, because again, we're giving those cre uh, those directors creative control. So it's really up to Todd. You know, we'll see. I saw some news break over the week. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, this uh, recently, I know you have a good uh, uh, partnership with Universal. Yeah. Any chance maybe you guys Universal get together and get you Dark Universe with the monsters? Question is about Blumhouse and and Blumhouse and Dark Dark Universe, the the uh, Universal's effort to revive the Universal monsters. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, like, I think it's like one of those up top conversations because as you know dark universe is spearheaded by a completely different producer and different company so we'll have to see i mean it's really up to them it's kind of like those those issues of uh you know, like friday the 13th it's like there's stuff that we want we would love to do that you know there's stuff that we would love to be involved with but it's like tied up with other people you know so we'll see yeah um correct me if i'm wrong but uh, david gordon green before he got involved in halloween i was really shocked when he took that project yeah because he was really involved with the remake of suspiria yeah yeah. Did you have conversations about how you felt how Suspiria was being held by? He's super stoked. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. This is about David Gordon Green. David Gordon Green was going to do Suspiria, the Suspiria remake, um, before Halloween. Uh, <laughs> I tried to get him to send me his draft. Yes. I was like, I want to read your I take, know, buddy. I want to know his version. I know. So do I. He won't send it over. <laughs> or he'll go, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send it tonight, and then I'll wake up the next morning and be like, There's nothing in my inbox. <laughs> Would love to read that, um, but uh, the thing at David with David, I knew we were in good hands with Halloween because he had been attached to so many um, to so many other kind of horror projects. He was going to do Freaks of the Heartland, uh, the Steve Niles graphic novel. I think he was going to do that for HBO, um, and uh, and then he was going to do Suspiria. And I was like, that dude's got a horror thing, and I'm like, he loves that. And uh, I'll tell you the the I knew we were also in great hands when um, I landed because uh, I was the point exec on Halloween so I spent three months uh, in Charleston South Carolina and the first night that we had like kind of a big dinner um, I walked into this restaurant and it was McBride and it was David Gordon Green and um, and I had just like I had been, been watch, binge watching movies all day and I was just like a little groggy and I was like what are you guys doing and McBride goes oh you know talking about Shockma and I was like Shockma the monkey movie and he goes yeah man he's like I just watched it today it's amazing he's like what'd you watch I was like Rawhead Rex. He's like, I love Rawhead Rex, and I was like, we're all gonna be friends. We all because that—that's the language that these guys talked. You know, I mean, like David, you know, David would sit there, and he, what did he say? Oh, I'm blanking on this piece of information, but he—he he was like, do you know what movie dethroned Batman? Batman, uh, the first uh, Tim Burton's Batman at the box office. And I'd be like, no, no, I don't. And then he would tell me. He would just know immediately. I'm yeah. like, oh my god, we're such nerds. Um, <laughs> But uh, that—that's—that's that's when I knew, like David was also the, you know, just the right guy. Yeah. Yeah. For the Hulu holiday anthology series, how likely are you to get Eli Roth to do Thanksgiving? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good idea. It's a good yeah, idea. Yeah. I know they have. I know they have Thanksgiving shored up. But if it continues on, you know, I mean, like Eli's doing—he's doing that a lot of big stuff now. You know, he's yep. doing that uh, the house with the clock in its walls. Have you seen the trailer for that? Yeah. Very intrigued by that. I, I'm not familiar with the book, I I, I, but I'm, I'm very excited. Like it looks really slick and outside the box, and that's where I want to. I, I would love to. That's why I, you know I, 
I, I respect Eli, and I, you know, I mean, like, we, BH Tilt put out Green Inferno, you know, Green Inferno was kind of on the shelf for two years, and, um, and so I, you know, I, I, I like that movie a lot, but I also want to see him break outside the box a little bit and do some other stuff for him to do, like, a YA, YA novel is cool. But yeah, it's a good idea. I mean, it's, I, I, I would love to do Thanksgiving. I'm always trying to find a way to do a scary slasher movie without laughs. Like, I don't want it, like, we're doing Halloween, but that's not, it's not an original property. I want to do a scary fucking slasher movie again. And it's very hard to find because the, the inclination a lot of people have is to do something like Scream and do something with a wink, wink nature and a fun. And I'm like, there's got to be somebody that's got that breakthrough idea that's not so laden with nostalgia and have that grindhouse feel, you know, just something contemporary and scary and original. Original. I can't crack it, but I would love that. That's what I want. Yeah. Oh, someone new. Go back there. I'll come up to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, Brad. Yeah, um, so Fangoria started taking subscriptions again this week. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what we can look forward to um, in the new magazine? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, Fangoria, I mean, I, I don't have much to do with it, but I mean, like, because I was part of the family one time, um, uh, I think it's great that they're back uh, because I think we, you know, I think there's a lot of great horror magazines out there, um, but they kind of lean too much into one thing over the other, you know, um, but from my understanding, Understanding, they're going to bring class back to the magazine. It's going to be less about reviews and a little and less about. I, I know the kind of the days when I was there. Everybody was like, "It's just like advertising. You're just doing an article just to you know get the bucks." Um, I think it's going to be a little bit more insightful. It's going to be more bookish. You know, uh, I know that the subscription price is a little crazy. It was like I think it's like sixty bucks for four issues over the course of a year, but it's a hundred pages per issue, and it's going to be like have a spine. It's going to be different stock quality, you know, quality paper, less ads. Um, and just more about content. Uh, so I was very excited to have Fangoria on the Halloween set. It was very exciting to have that because it was like everybody just like they came in and called um, and and we had our press day. And then uh, I got a call from Phil Nobile, who is the new managing editor. And he was like, oh, man, uh, did we miss a press day? I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, Fangoria is back. And I was like, oh, no, you got to come to set. you got to come to set. And Jamie Lee took to that. Maybe. Jamie was like, she sat down with the Fangoria uh, writer and just spent, like, a lot of time with her just hanging out, which is great. So very excited. But, yeah, I think it's going to be good. I think it's a good thing, you know? I think it's fun. And I'm very curious because, um, you know, Dallas Sanye is a producer in his own right, and he did uh, Brawl in Cell Block 9 and Bone Tomahawk, and those are really great films. Um, you know, to have someone who's a producer uh, behind it, I think on a business level, that'll help out and help build the brand. I think I have one more. One more. I'm gonna look it up. Yeah. Uh, last year, the Trent Reznor did the theme for Halloween. Hell yeah. Is yeah. he going to be on the new movie? Um, I, yeah, we'll see. I mean, he was asking about Trent Reznor and uh, Atticus Ross did uh, the Halloween theme uh, last October. It was a great way to send us off into production because we listen to it all the time. Um, it's really cool. But I mean, like, who knows? We'll see. I mean, like, I we had a lot of people asking about that, and 
then there was a lot of people that were vying for it, but I was like, we got John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. let's go John. Like, let's see what John does with it, yeah. you know? So, um, so we're gonna wait and see, you know? I, mean, I think John's gonna deliver. But I mean, like, but Trent did an amazing job of that. That thing is so cool. And I like how it comes in, it just feels like full Trent, like in the last 45 seconds. It's really cool. So, all right guys, well thank you. Yeah. Uh, I was just wondering, um, Nick Castle commented that the trailer wouldn't be out for a couple more months. Yeah. Due to the reaction, they're bumping it up. Yeah, we'll see. I'm trying again. It goes back to it'll be it'll be soon. It'll be soon. I, the, the reaction, the louder you guys get, the more we. We're dying, I man. Know, I know. But anyways, thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. We'll do uh, live shockwaves tomorrow at one o'clock if you guys are still around. Thank you for listening to Deep in the Horror of Texas. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you like what you hear, please leave a review on the iTunes or Stitcher radio app. And above all, remember to keep it scary.